Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Please be seated. Well, a great joy to have with us tonight. Charlie Robinson comes from uh, Canada. So even, even though he sounds like an American, he, doesn't, he is not an American. Their money has the same queen on it that we have. And uh, he comes from Canada. And uh, can't sing the Canadians and Americans like saying a Kiwis and Australian, isn't he? So, you know, you've got to realize <laughs> it's, uh, so he's, he sounds American, but he isn't. He's from Canada. He's a revivalist. He carries an anointing that brings the supernatural, brings breakthroughs, travels around the world. And uh, it's a great joy for us to have him here. I want us to have a really open heart for what God may do. When he uh, gets going, you're going to enjoy him. I know you're going to enjoy him. And, uh, but when he gets going, the anointing will come on. So just for the sake of those who haven't been to one of his meetings, just so you don't start to get the wrong idea. Sometimes when the Holy Ghost comes on him, he'll sound like a drunk man and, uh, or he'll go into a shaking fit. He's not going to fit. He doesn't need medical help. He doesn't need any nurse to run up and do anything to him. He's just the Holy Ghost coming on him. And when the Holy Ghost comes on people, sometimes they get excited. What I've noticed, I'm watching in the meeting last night, that every time he started to get kind of like a slur, like the Holy Ghost, and you got starting to touch people, <laughs> lock in on it. So let's give a great welcome tonight. We're just so excited about you coming here. Thank you for coming to Hawke's Bay. Amen. Praise God. Listen, we're going to have a wonderful night tonight in the spirit with God. Amen. I just feel a lot of stuff over here, a lot of anointing, a lot of fire right here. I do. I feel it over here too, but that God's doing something uh, among these young people. And so I just, I want to be a part of that. I'm the oldest teenager in Canada, by the way. I'm 50 and I got saved when I was 18 and God has renewed me on the inside ever since. Hallelujah. You know, tonight is going to be an awesome night. I'll tell you why. Because we're going to win. How many want to win tonight? I don't just want to fight. I, Canada, they have a, a sport called hockey. And it gets a little violent at times. And so Canada is sort of known as nice people. But listen, in the spirit, we've learned how to be violent. Because it's the violent that take the kingdom of heaven by force. And how close is the kingdom of heaven tonight? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you know, it's amazing. We just sung that song, Open Up the Gates. And my first, let's turn there real quick. And my, my scripture that God gave me and what God spoke to me this afternoon. He spoke to me some awesome stuff after the service what, that he wants to do. You see, God wants to release his glory upon this place. He wants to release his glory upon the nation. But there's something he's going to take out of the way. Something that's been in the church. And it, when I say the church, the church in this nation. And you know, it's in just about every nation. But you know, there's one thing about being a small nation that's very good. And that is when God begins to move, that news will travel fast. And, and you see, it won't take long. You, you don't need everybody to get in line with what God is doing. You just need a few. In fact, the Bible says, if two of you agree on earth is touching anything, it'll be done by my Father, which is in heaven. But you know, God spoke this to me. He wants to open up a gate tonight. And this is why I minister on the glory of God. I don't just minister because it feels good. And I don't minister it because of what's happened in my life. And that's awesome. I minister it because I believe that God wants to come to his people as the king of glory. But the only way he can come as the king of glory is when the gate opens up. And so it says, and we're responsible for that. And sometimes we pray, well, God come. Well, you need to learn how to open up the gate. Lift up your head. So tonight, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to press in with you guys tonight. I tell you, God visited me this afternoon. And he said, just press in. God's going to bring the big guns. All we have to do is press in. 
And you know what? Some stuff's going to come down. And you know what? There has been stuff opposing the work of God in this nation for years. But you know, tonight, if we'll pull together, something's going to come down. It will come down. It will come down. And the King of glory will come in. And when he comes in, everything changes. It's not business as usual. And so this is what it says. Verse 7, Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Isn't that amazing? It's not just the King. It's the King of glory. That's what you're looking for tonight. It's what the world is looking for. The King of, they just don't know it yet. The King of glory. See, I'm not shaking yet. I'm doing pretty good. Hallelujah. I don't know who who he was talking about, but sometimes the, the presence of God comes upon me and I start to shake. You know, so would you too. If you grabbed, a, you know, a, a bare wire of 220 volts of power, it, you're gonna, something's going to shake and it won't be, you know, the 22 volts. It'll be you. And sometimes God, I get so close to God, I just start to, you know, not shake and shake. Well, I've done that before, but sometimes God just does this and I can't help it. And so, and uh, I don't want to help it. Um, I want God to move on me. I said, my body belongs to you. And so uh, God, do whatever you want to do. And but when usually when that happens, he's right. God starts to release the glory of God in the room. So uh, not all the time, but Shabbatumbarabaranda. Just re- be ready to receive because God wants to do a wonderful work tonight. Now, tonight, you guys, tonight, position yourself. You know, maybe you come from some different church backgrounds and maybe you're, you know, on the quiet side. But listen, get in behind what God is doing and start to push. In other words, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? You see, I want the King of glory to touch me. I want to be touched by the glory of God, and I want to touch the God of glory. You see, I don't just want to be touched by him. I want to touch him. Hallelujah. Woo! I was ministering with Rick Joyner last year. And, uh, and I was ministering in the morning. He was ministering at night. And I, as I was ministering uh, in the morning session, and I have a pursuit of God. But I've made it very personal because God has made his pursuit of me very personal. You see, I make my pursuit of God very deliberate and very personal because God made his pursuit for me very deliberate, very personal. He didn't hold back anything, not even his own son. And so I'm not allowed to hold back and I don't want to hold back. So I just let God have everything. And if he wants to move through me in power and signs and wonders, good. If he wants to uh, you know, move through me in quietness, great. But I'm willing to allow God to work through me the way he wants to. I don't care what it looks like. You know, I've tried to look good in the past. I don't care about looking good anymore, as you can tell. Look at my hair. Hallelujah. But listen, I will say this. If you get real close to God, you'll begin to you'll begin to have such a desire of intimacy and a desire to get closer to him and desire not just to be his friend, but to be his best friend. See, that's what happened to me. One day I woke up and God put it in my heart, but I had such a burning desire to be Jesus's best friend. It consumed me. And it was like he wanted to be my best friend. Really, we say, Jesus, you know, I want you to be my best friend. But in turn, he wanted me to be his best friend. And he's like, Charlie, are you willing to do what it takes to be my best friend? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, what do I have to do? He just says, come closer. The Bible says, draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. Hallelujah. And so I began to draw nigh and I had a, a drawing and I wrote down a, a piece of paper. I want to be Jesus' best friend. I began to pursue him. Yeah, he's my best friend, but I want to be his best friend. You know, it changes everything. 
Because friendship with God, hallelujah, and getting close to Him, your walk stops being religious. And it stops being something that's you know, in the Bible and it just stays in the Bible. God wants the Bible to come alive in your life. Because you can't walk down the street with a doctrine that doesn't work. I tried it. Your best friend is not a doctrine. Your best friend is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, if I said in most churches in North America, listen, if I said, how many of you here believe that God heals the sick? Most hands would go up. But if I were to say, how many of you are praying regularly for the sick and not only praying, seeing them healed? How many of you are doing that? Most hands would go down. Do you know why? In North America, the charismatic Pentecostal church believes the doctrine of healing. But we don't really believe in healing. You know why? If we believed it, we go out and do the stuff. And if I were to say, how many of you believe in soul winning? Yeah, we believe in soul winning. How many of you are going out and doing the stuff and winning souls daily or weekly? Most hands in North America, at least, would go down. Why? The church believes the doctrine of winning souls. There's so many doctrines that we believe, but do we believe the reality of those doctrines? You see, we have to ask yourself that question. Because the Bible says, and it talks about a spirit that's at work. This spirit is at work in your nation tonight, I'm telling you. But God wants that thing to come down. Not only that, He's got the power to take it down. And it's the spirit, and here's how it works. It has a form of godliness and it believes all the right doctrines, but there's no power. Because it doesn't perform the doctrine and it has no reality. You see, I want to walk with Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Do you know that you can believe that scripture all your life and go to hell? You can believe it. You know why? It says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I believe that scripture, but so does the devil. But he never turned to Jesus Christ to be saved. He can't, but you can. You need to believe the scripture and then go to Jesus. It says, believe in Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying here tonight? It says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So who do you go to to get saved? You then go to Jesus. Here's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But those are they which testify of me, but you refuse to come to me. You need to know the Bible. You need to have right doctrines. You need to understand the Bible. God will give you wisdom. But there's the person of Jesus Christ that the church needs to begin to walk with. And get to know him. Oh, and he's awesome. So I made a decision. I'm going to be Jesus' best friend. Hallelujah. And it's not a race against you. It's a race against time. Because I'm only on the earth so long. And so I really want to know him before I die. Right here in the land of the living. Not wait, oh, till all the glorious stuff in heaven. That's great. What about now? David said this. I would have fainted had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I was ministering in the morning session. And Rick wasn't there. And I was ministering on friendship with God. And God spoke to me. I almost didn't say it because I said, man, that's a pretty bold statement. And here's what God told me to say. There's still time for somebody in this room. That's what he told me to say at that meeting last year. There's still time for somebody in this room to be Jesus' best friend of all time. And I'm like, yeah, well, what about the guys in the Bible? I'm thinking about these. What about John? What about the guys in the Bible? Jesus said, there's still time. I said, yeah, but what about the prophets, the guys who walk with God, Enoch walk with God? You know what Jesus said? There's still time. I don't care who you are, where you are, you may not even be saved today. There's still time for you to press into God and just get to know him like nobody else has known him. Wouldn't you like that? Not for the power, not for the gifts, not for the stuff, just to know Jesus Christ. That was Paul's heart, but to know him. He counted everything but dung, except to know him. Woo! Hallelujah! I want to know him. Yeah. And you know what? Rick Joyner was not at the meeting, at my meeting. But he came that night, and he's ministering. How many of you, do you guys know who Rick Joyner is over here? Okay. 
If you've ever heard of me, ministers from a laptop. And, you know, he doesn't move a whole lot from here to here. That's about it. He's an awesome man of God. When I'm around him, I don't say nothing. I just go, oh, God, I just like being around this man of God. Yeah. I might say hi. Woo. But he's ministering. Halfway through his message, he stops. He goes, you know what God told me? He said, there's still time for somebody in this room to be Jesus' all-time best friend. And when he said that, everybody looked at, I was sitting up at the, we call them the big chairs. We get these big chairs. I don't like sitting there, but I got to. Somebody's got to. So I'm sitting in the big chair. Sometimes I'm all alone. I, I, I feel like, you know, this child in the great big chair. You know, I'm like, oh. And everybody looked at me and I looked at them and went, wow. <laughs> Glad I'm in the room tonight. <laughs> but you know what? God is saying it to you, especially to you. You know, why not, you guys? Really, why not? Why not change the world starting tonight? Why not take this and change the world? I mean, you, you, you do it. You can do it. How do I know that? Because God caused me and called me to pray for revival for many years. I didn't know what it would, uh, would look like. He drove me to pray for revival. He drove me on 40-day fast for revival. He drove me to pray. He drove me to fast. God caused me to pray and hunger and thirst after revival. I didn't know, even know what revival was. He began to show me what His glory was. He began to show me what the river was all about. He made me hunger and thirst after Him. He drew me. You, you can't even come to God unless God draws you. I mean, it consumed me. Living for God and wanting to know Him consumed me and it consumes me tonight. Hallelujah. And so I begin to pray and I begin to pray. And I can honestly say I was never discouraged one time. I'll tell you one thing though. When God began to visit me in the early 80s, pillars of fire showed up. God would, God would literally show me things in the city to pray for. Buildings and businesses that needed to be removed and that were removed. Sometimes within days. Oh, it's so awesome what God can do. Talk about city transformation. Come to our city. I'll show you the buildings that God changed. Buildings that the enemy was using that God changed in a week. Closed them down. I didn't even have to phone the mayor. Write anything in the paper. God would do it. Hallelujah. And I stood and prayed for revival. Not just me. And, and you know, it wasn't my idea. God moved upon me. He said, I want to open the gate over your city and your area and your nation. And I want the king of glory to come in. And I'm holding you responsible. He told me that. I had no cho- choice. Woe unto me if I believe not for revival. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you know what happened? God showed me what was going to happen. And right after he showed me all this stuff in about a one-year period, things got worse in the city. Things fell apart in the church. And the more I would press in, it was like the further God got away. And I said, God, you showed me all that stuff. Yep. I said, well, I thought it was going to happen tomorrow. No, it never happens tomorrow. You think it will, but it doesn't. If, if the Bible says through faith you receive the promises of God, that would be great, but it doesn't. It says through faith and patience. Oh, God, why did you put that in there? <laughs> There's people in this place. You prayed for the, this city and the city next door. You got Hastings and Shubabumba. What's the next? Napier, yeah. And, and you have. But some of you are in a place of hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because you prayed for revival in the whole area and stuff hasn't happened. But you know what? Don't give up. Don't give up. Why stop now? You're closer than when you started. I ain't giving up. Now I've seen too much. Because I would pray. And I was already for ministry. God says, for the sake of your son, you're going st- to work in the school district. Because that's what I did. Because I was a counselor. Hallelujah. I'm still amazed they let me be a counselor for 12 years. I never got fired either. And you know what I did in the school? This. I talked about God all the time. All the time. To thousands of kids in the public school district. And in Canada, you talk... I know a guy that, that mentioned to one girl she should consider not having an abortion. He got fired. 
He appealed to, the, to the, uh, his union. They said, forget it. You're on your own. For one time, saying that, that would you consider not having, not having an abortion? And she told her counselor, the guy got fired. So I'm in here every day talking about God. You know why? God said, if you're not willing to lose your job, you will never be willing to lose your life. And I said, oh, great. So I talked about God for many years in the school system. And I got around teenagers. Teenagers aren't our future. They're our present. But we haven't learned that yet. The day you learn that is the day we move, we move in. You, you want to you know why that's true or how that's true in the natural? Go over to Europe. Go over to Germany. Go over to France. And take a, take a walk through all the gravestones of the soldiers that were killed. And look how many 17, 18, 19, 20 years old there are buried there because they fought for your and my country. I was astounded. We had a couple of 90-year-old guys that were in the war, and they had videos, and they went up and they showed 21, 19, 20-year-old Canadians. And I said, are you kidding me? What are they doing there? And the guy just looked at me. He was crying. He said, who do you think paid? Whose blood do you think paid for your nation? He said it was young people on the front line because that's where they put them all. And they put the older guys sort of in the middle and to the back because the youth would obey instantly. And they just run into the gunfire. And they, and they, because youth make the best soldiers. I'm telling you, they do. They do in the kingdom, and they do. Now, they still need generals. They still need Caleb's. And they stay, uh, there needs to, all that stuff. Of course, we need that. But I'm telling you, God loves young people. And not only loves them, we're going to see God move. But you know what? I am going to get my mountain, too. So you ain't going to get that. I'm getting the mountain. Hallelujah. Woo! Uh-huh. And so... I almost got discouraged one day, close, praying for revival. And I saw God do many things. You know, I'll just share some of the things. In our city, Abbotsford, number one, the name of, how many have ever heard of Abbotsford, British Columbia? Okay, a few of you. That's where Fresh Fire Ministries is. That's where Todd Bentley is. And, and uh, Patricia King, she's out of there. And Brian Dirksen's out of there. If you've ever heard of him, he's a worship leader. They're all, and, and there's a whole whack of other people that God's using. You know why? Because God dropped the big Holy Ghost bomb in the city. And anybody within about three or four hours just got... Now, not everybody got saved, but I'm telling you, God visited and raised up ministries that go all over the world. A tremendous ministries out of there. But you see, it took a lot of prayer and a lot of standing in the gap when nothing was happening. And where things were going from good to bad. <laughs> but you know what God did for us? One day I went out. Now, I don't, I don't encourage you guys to do this. Oh, man. You know what? God just blessed these people tonight with the glory. Father, I pray the glory of God would be released in such power. God, it would just drive that stuff right out of this city, right out of the region, right into the ocean forever. And God, that revival would come because it's what they want. It's what you have planned. And so, you know what the name of our city was? It used to be called Matsqui. Matsqui. Oh, God, help us. Matsqui. You check Samuel. This is my son, Samuel. How many know who this guy is? Sammy. Because he was here for a while. He's a good guy. He's always been a good kid. Uh, hey, if you look at his birth certificate, you know what it says? Matsqui, British Columbia. Used to be called Matsqui, British Columbia. But guess what? God visited me. God held me many, responsible for many things. And one thing he said to me one day when I was working in the school district. And he said, Charlie, I want to change the name of the city. And I'm holding you responsible. And usually I would say, why me? And he would always say this, because I've taught you how to believe me to receive what, what, what the city needs. And that's the only criteria. And then one day I thought, you know, when I started to get a big head, I said, man, this is working good. He says, no. He says, do you know why I use you? And I go, why? He goes, because I got to use somebody. It might as well be you. <laughs> you know, he's going to use somebody. Whosoever will may come. 
I tell you, that shrunk my head down to size or smaller. Hallelujah. But he said this, I want the name of the city to be changed to Abbotsford. We had three regions. The biggest re- region was Matsqui and then Sumas and this little region over here called Abbotsford. God said, I want the name of the, ho- the whole city, Abbotsford. So I began to pray and I got a teacher friend of mine. I mean, we prayed so many, we saw God do so many things. Him and my, some of the pastors, I mean, miraculous things. I thought it was normal. I thought these things were normal, you guys. I didn't realize that. You know, the church didn't walk in this because God did it for us so much, so wonderfully. And so we began to pray. I said, thank you, Jesus. You're going to change the name of the city to Abbotsford. I don't know why, but I'm going to pray that. We prayed it for six months. You know how many of us prayed it? Two. Two. If two of you agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done by my Father which is in heaven. Two. Two. But we had to, this took us a long time. It took us six months. At the end of six months, Kevin Patterson, he's the other teacher, he walks in and he goes, look at this. On the front page of the paper, it said, city to amalgamate, vote pending on new name. Now, guess which name got 92% of the vote 11 years ago last month? Abbotsford. And as soon as we saw the vote, which happened a few weeks later, I said, why in the world would God want our city called Abbotsford? So I went to the secular dictionary. The high school dictionary, I looked up the word abbot because it's abbot's ford. Do you know what the word abbot means in the Canadian gauge student dictionary? It says abbot from the Hebrew word abba, father. Wow! Ford to cross a river. You see, we're an apostolic sending center. That's our city. That's the calling of our city. And God gave us a name to match our city. God's in the name changes, by the way, in case you didn't know. He changed the name of our city. I have a little clip from last January. It says 10th anniversary of the city of Abbotsford. <laughs> Woo! But God gets all the glory. But he holds you responsible for, getting you, for, get, for, for doing the things that are going to get to the, that bring, bring the spiritual atmosphere to the place where he can come and bring his glory. Listen, tonight could be a good night if you want it to be. Not me, you. It ain't about me. It's about you tonight. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you? If you ain't hungry or thirsty, forget it. God won't bring his glory. You can, he wants to. I'm, I'm not talking about a touch. You, we're going to pray for everybody that wants the anointing. We're just going to shoo, ba, boom, ba, bam, the glory of God, the anointing. We're going to pray for the sick. God will move. And we're going to have a good time. But I want more than a good time. I want God to come and shake in the natural and the spirit. I want him to come and drive out whatever has to be driven out so this nation can come into a revival and then I can leave and you can forget my name. That's fine. And they can remember you. Hallelujah. Because it's about you, not about me tonight. But it's exactly as the pastor said. Are you willing to engage and get behind what God is doing and push so that you can see his glory come? Because tonight is how thirsty are you? Yeah, are you thirsty for church? You're thirsty for God. So here's what happened to me. And I do not recommend this. And uh, I, I read this book. I probably shouldn't have read it. It was called Come Down Dark Prince. <laughs> I read about half the book, and it's about going out and binding every principality over your city and taking authority over everything in yourself. Don't do that. Don't go out by yourself and do that. I did it. And here's what I did. I, I mean, I was bold. I didn't care. I would get out. Here's what I did. You principalities over our city, I bind you. Come down. I mean, I, this is what I was doing outside. Well, I didn't care because... God told me I was going to help bring revival to the city, but I just had no wisdom or not very much. That's how I started doing this stuff, you guys. Very stupid. You know why? In the middle of going, come down, you dark prince and principalities over the city. I mean, I was trying to, I was stirring up a rat's nest. And here's what God said to me. Charlie, what are you doing? 
Listen, it's not a good thing when even God doesn't know what you're doing. When God says, what are you doing? You're in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. I said, God, I'm winning the city. He goes, you're doing more harm than good. You're stirring every demon up from not only this county, the next county. Stop. What do I do? He said, now, and this is what he told me. Charlie, when you go to war and when a civilized nation go to war, he says, do you bomb the hospitals, daycare centers and schools first? I said, well, no. He said, that's what you're doing. You're just, you have no, you're just going stirring stuff up. You're doing more harm than good. And he said, okay, what are you praying for? I said, our city. He said, more, he said, no, 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 no. Who are you praying for? I said, the youth. See, I see, I see what God's going to do with the youth all the time. I come to a meeting and I go, oh, God. You see, I, I know the, not only the potential, but I know what God's heart is for young people to release them, to see the miracle signs and wonders. It's on you. And I, I, I mean revival, like we were talking, if you weren't here today, the Welsh revival. Do you know who the four leaders, the four main leaders of the Welsh revival were and how old they were? 26 years old, Evan Roberts, the leading evangelist. So I don't even remember her name. And you don't even know her name, but she was 16 years old. Why? How do I know this? I was in Wales, in the church where the revival started with the one girl. Do you know how the Welsh revival started? It wasn't Evan Roberts never started it. It was when a 16-year-old girl got up and said, I love Jesus Christ with all my heart, and then sat down. Revival started. That was it. And that woman was, woman, lady, young lady, was the leading revivalist for the Welsh revival. You know who the second leading revivalist was? Her friend, another 16-year-old. Woo! I'll tell you what, that shows, that's the Welsh revival that we brag about. Hallelujah. And you know who, who the, the worship leader was? Some lady, 19 years old. She was getting over the hill. Hallelujah. And that was it. And I kept asking the guy, come on, that's it? Now, other men came through that we know their name. Oh, yeah. And they held the meetings and God moved. And you can see these guys preaching. I forget their names. And they have big crowds, but they didn't come for them. They came because in the heart of these young people, they had a heart for revival. And God gave Evan Roberts visitations of heaven for over two years. He walked in heavenly places every day. And God downloaded him with what to do. It was amazing what God did. And so God said, um, I said, the young people, he says, more specific, not just you're praying for the young people. And then I said this, do you guys know what an arcade is? I don't know if it's the same thing in your country. Here's my water. There it is. Um, I'm not against video games, by the way, not at all. But we had three arcades, arcades full of video games. And I went there a couple of times to play them. I did. But you know what? They sold so many drugs out of those places. It was the three main areas of our city. In three different areas of the city. One here, the big one downtown, and one over here. All three of them. That's where the enemy... I mean, people with no discernment would be driving by and go, Oh, there's something there. I mean, you could just discern the darkness just by walking by. Because how the devil was using these. Owned by three different people. And I said, God, those arcades. I said, there's so much drugs coming out of there. And there's such, such a foul spirit that they, they bring to the city. And he said, if you pray, I'll close all three of them down. Now listen, you need to live to get words like that from God. It's called a rhema word. And some people use the term rhema and then they make a theologically something. But listen, when God speaks to you and tells you to pray for something, when he speaks to you, you, you have what you have. You got it. Every time God speaks to me, I don't care how big it is. And I've seen God do some awesome stuff. I see God take seven buildings out. Remove all seven. He told me he would. And he removed all of them. 
It took 20 years. They're all downtown. Every single one of them was removed. God said they'd all be removed before revival came. But a year ago, the last one was removed. And I didn't know this. They were all owned by the same man who opposed the gospel and cursed Christians. God took every one of them out. The government actually bought each and every one and destroyed them and put something else up. You know what? We had three arcades. And so I said, okay, I know the routine, God. I'm going to find a couple of guys. My pastor. I've been in the same church for 21 years. My pastor is not only my pastor. He's one of my best friends in the whole world. I can't wait to get home and give him a big hug. I love him. And then we have another pastor, Mike. I love him. We're a huggy bunch. But you know what? We're not ministers first. We're friends first. We're friends in the gospel. These guys have all paid the price. We have stood side by side, taken the hits, taken the hurts, been there when we've been hurting, been there when I've been hurting, been there when the, I mean, and you know what? After a while, if the whole object of the thing is not to get hurt and run away, the whole object is to get hurt and become unoffendable. Can you become unoffendable? Or are you sitting there with a bunch of hurts because one pastor, some Christian, this, get over it. We need to forgive people. I told the, I listen. I told this to, to the American church. They don't like to hear it, but they know it's true. And the same in Canada. I don't know about you guys. But we are overrun by a judicial system that consistently rules in favor of gay rights, homosexual marriages, uh, abortion, and all this stuff. To the point I couldn't even say that in Canada. I do anyway. So what? But I'm not supposed to. And you know what? One day, I was thinking about this judge that made a decision in favor of gay, gay marriages. And I'm like, when that guy stands before God, oh, man, is that judge ever going to get it? And God says, no, you're going to get it. And I'm like, what? He says, you're responsible. And the church, because God always uses me as, well, anyway, I don't know if he does that to you, but he'll include me in his church. And he'll come to me and he'll say, you and the church. Not just the church. That would be a bit better. So it hurts a bit more because he wants me to get the log out of my own eye first. He said, you and the church. He said the church doesn't like itself. In fact, it kills itself because of how it speaks and judges its brothers and sisters and judges and judges and judges and judges and the words and the words against this church, that church, your own church, people in your church, the people leave mad, talk bad about the church, judgment, judgment. And Jesus said to me, because you judge one another, you are being judged. And he said, I told you, judge not lest ye be judged. And North America sits under a judicial system that consistently judges unrighteously. Why? Because the church lets them. And it's the church's fault, not the judge's fault. Oh. You know what? There's some people in the room tonight. You need to have God come and wash out your mouth with some of that launderer's soap in the book of Malachi. Because you've been talking bad about the brothers and you have no right to. And listen, another thing. God is not concerned. And God, it's not about you being right and wrong. You see, there is right, there is wrong, but it's not about you being right and wrong. You see, you can't judge after your eyes. If Jesus did, everybody would have got zapped by lightning. Because <laughs> he saw the sin, he saw what was right and wrong. But mercy triumphs over judgment. You're not allowed to judge according to your eyes and go home and talk about the pastor or talk about Christians or guys you don't like and over here or there. You can't do that because when you're doing it, the Bible says in the book of James, you bless God and pray for revival. On the other hand, you stab your brother and you curse him. You can't do that. It's got to stop. Yeah, that's a big ouch. But you know, God always speaks to me first, so I'm preaching to me. That didn't go over good, but you know, it's true. It doesn't matter. I want revival and I want to see the glory of God. Yeah. And I want to get in agreement with somebody that will get in agreement with me to see his glory come and his kingdom come. And we're going to see it come by the grace of God. So I got together 
with my pastor and another guy, we prayed. You know how many times we prayed? Two times. Two times to pray down three arcades. God said, I'm going to close them all down. He said, I will close them down. All you do is pray. So you know what? We prayed twice. Driving to church that Sunday. Sammy was in the car. He was, he was young. And we're driving to church. And I look, and there's the arcade on the right. All the machines are removed. I went right around the corner. I went in the back. And I came up to the front. Oh, they're all gone. And there's a big sign that said, closed by police because of drugs. It reopened as a Korean restaurant. It's still a Korean restaurant today. The next week, the next Sunday, going to church, downtown, biggest arcade in town, all these pool tables. And I sort of like pool, but anyway, they were gone. And the machines closed forever. It became a bicycle shop. Now, we did have to work a little harder, two more weeks. And the one on the far side of town, Clearbrook, driving, it might have been even earlier than that, but we drove by two weeks after that. In less than four weeks, God closed down three businesses owned by three different people where drugs are being sold. We didn't write the mayor. We didn't pick it. We didn't stand with signs. We didn't write the paper. God came and spoke to me. What's he saying to you? And you say, I don't hear from God. God's talking to you all the time. He wants you to hear. So if you're not hearing, say, God, give me an ear. And God doesn't want to, God's not a God of superstars. If you knew what some of the guys in the Bible looked like, are you kidding me? They look like you and me. <laughs> How do I know that? I know that. You know why? I had a magazine in my car driving to church one day. It had the word Samson across the top. Samson. You know who he is, right? Of course. And God said this to me. What would you do if I told you that Samson was a short, skinny guy with long, stringy hair and pretty homely? Think about that. What would you do if God told you that Samson was a short, skinny guy with long, stringy hair and not very good looking. Your religious mind would go, eh, because mine did. And I didn't think I was very religious. I said, no, God, come on. Samson's this big, flowing blonde hair. Blonde hair. Big muscles. Gold bands on his muscles. Huge man. Strong man. That's what I'm thinking in my religious mind. God said, who said that? I'm like, by uh, 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 Hollywood. Uh, my Sunday school pictures. And I begin to think about the Bible. It says, many, not many noble, not many mighty. It talks about the foolishness of God that he uses to confound the wise. The weakness of God. Woo! The weakness of God. And I thought, well, God, what about the homely part? That doesn't sound right. You know what he said? Why do you think he couldn't get a girlfriend in his own country? And all of a sudden, God has a sense of humor, obviously. He gave the guy a jawbone. That's all he had to work with, <laughs> of a donkey. <laughs> it wasn't his natural strength. It had nothing to do with his size. It had nothing to do with his muscles. When the Spirit of God came on Samson, he could kill thousands of the enemy. Yeah, as long as he kept his hair long and stringy. <laughs> You see, we don't want to hear that. You know why? It excuses you and me. Because if Samson was a big guy with muscles, then, I mean, we're not like that. So, you see, we watch too many movies. You know, one too many Lord of the Rings. Hallelujah. But that's okay. You can watch Lord of the Rings. My son did. I didn't. <laughs> How do you like it so far? Are you happy? God's going to move tonight. Yeah, he will. He's moving already. But you see, I know what he's moving. <laughs> Big boulder. Yeah. Just don't get under it when it starts rolling. You don't want to be there. That's not a good place. But it will roll. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. Seen it roll. So God closed those three arcades down. Now, I almost got discouraged one day. I was working in the school district. And I'm, I, I'm also an artist. I'm many things. Don't ask me why God. I mean, I was an artist. I made signs. I used to sit in the malls. I used to sell my, my artwork and all this stuff. And, you know, that's good and bad in the school district. Because when they find an artist, he's the guy that makes all the posters for everybody. Even the schools, you don't know, even know the teachers. They mail it to you in the school mail. You, can you do a poster? And so I was doing calendars for, for this school. And in British, how many have been to British Columbia? Good. British Columbia, you know what it does in November? Because I was doing the month of November. It rains. We just had like 38 days out of 39 days it rained. Like almost all day, every day. How do you like that kind of weather? People are depressed, just move. And people that never get depressed, get depressed. Unless you're like me. Hallelujah. I, see, I had depression knocked out of me in 1979. Really, the joy of the Lord came through the roof, landed on me. God landed on me. And he drove that demon of depression right out of my life and never came back. Hallelujah. Depression is a demon, no matter what anybody tells you clinically or otherwise. I've worked with people, and they've been on some medication, and all we do is a bam, boom, bam, and that's it. It's gone, and you don't need any more. God can take care of that demon of depression. And you know what? I know there's clinical depression, but God can deliver you from that too. Because I've seen people, you know, clinically um, crippled. <laughs> God raised them up. Hallelujah. Where was I going? Who cares? Oh, yeah, school. So I was doing the... I was doing this the month of November and I was drawing these like, I mean, you bear with me here. I was doing like for the month of January, I was doing snowmen and for the month of February hearts, the month of March. And I got to the month of November and I was drawing little white clouds, 30 of them, one for each day, but little white clouds with the blue outline in each one and a yellow lightning bolt. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I started to cry in the class. I'm in the corner and I'm crying. I said, God, you told me revival would come. It's been like how many years? I'm not discouraged, but I'm close. Tell me one more time, Lord, that I'm going to be around when revival comes. Like, that's all I need. It doesn't even have to be me. I mean, it used to be all about me. More of me and less of you. And more of me and less of you and more of me. That's my song I used to sing. Till God delivered me. Hallelujah. But he reminds me all the time. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, God, I just want to be there. And you know what God spoke to me? Spoke to me. He said, Charlie, when it strikes, you will be there. And I was looking at these clouds and the lightning. I began to cry. I began to shake. I began to weep. I said, God, thank you. That's all I need. I just want to be there. I want to be there when it happens. It doesn't have to be about me, but I want to be there. That's my only desire. Even if I can watch, but I want to be there. And if you use me, praise God. But if you don't, hallelujah. I'll encourage. I'll get, along beside, uh, get alongside. I left school that day and I drove into the Mohawk gas station. I walked in the door of the Mohawk gas station. When I walked in, I turned to my left and there was a brand new lotto sign. You guys have lotto? They had a brand new lotto sign. I mean, a big one on the wall. You know what that lotto sign was? A big white cloud with a blue outline around the cloud and a yellow lightning bolt under the cloud. And underneath it, it said, when it strikes, you will be there. I stood in the door. I couldn't move. I was crying. People were bumping into me. I didn't care. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. The guy's like, get out of the door. I'm going to be there. I have a promise from God. That's why God leads me to different places. Why? No, it's not about me. I just want to be there. And so you know what God does when he's 
Not all the time, of course. But many times when something's going to happen, he leaves me there. He knows it's going to be here, so he leaves me here. And sometimes he lets me be involved in it. Woo! So how many of you guys know who Todd Bentley? Have you ever heard of Todd Bentley? How many? Put your hand way up. Okay. He's a friend of mine. And so uh, Patricia King, you ever heard of her? Anyway, hopefully she'll be coming. She's an awesome woman of God. We've known her and her husband for 22 years. We co-host a TV program with them called Extreme Prophetic Television, where we go out in the street. We take our cameras. We go to Hollywood. We go to Phoenix. We go all over the United States and Canada with cameras. And we hook people up with microphones. And we ask them about destiny. And we say, what do you think about destiny? And they give you the flakiest answers. But you know what? We listen to them. And then we're, but they don't know that we're asking God to show us stuff about their lives. And so they're standing there. And then God goes, how about this? And I remember that we were downtown. They kicked me off John Wayne's footprints on Hollywood Boulevard. There was this big Chinese restaurant. They had all the, I didn't know I was standing there. The guy, this big guy goes, you're standing on John Wayne's footprints. I thought the guy was, and I looked down, there's John Wayne's footprints with his signature in the cement. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on John's footprints. And so I hooked this guy up. This guy had got out of the, uh, he had just come out of the Shabarabaranda Navy, the American Navy. And he was standing there, and uh, I'm going to come over here. And he was standing there, and uh, I said, you know, I, we have a television show called Extreme Prophetic. We want to talk about destiny, want to hear what you have to say. I said, would you, would you like to be on TV? Well, we're in Hollywood. Are you crazy? Yeah. So we hook him up. You know, he's standing there. And, and so I said, what do you think about destiny? He goes, well, I just came out of the Navy, and I think I have a pretty good destiny. And, and it was a bunch of flaky stuff, but that's okay. You know, Jesus, you know, Jesus talked to the woman at the well. She said a few flaky things. You know, he didn't say this. Now, wait a minute. You know, I'm God. I, I would have said this. You would have said that. I would have said this and not this. So we'll cut to the quick. You know, you've had five uh, husbands and the guy you're with now is not. I mean, he didn't do that. <laughs> he listened to her because he loves us. He really does. You'd be surprised how much God wants to talk to you. He said, let us reason together. You know, Moses talked to God. He, he, he didn't just know God through his gifting. He knew, through, he knew God face to face. And God, yeah, I mean, he even changed his mind a couple of times. God did when Moses was talking to him. Did you know that? I use that every now and again, but it never works. <laughs> I, no, I have. I use that. I say, God, you know, Moses changed his mind. What about, you know, he says, you're not Moses. I said, okay. <laughs> so I'm talking to this guy and he's talking. God gives me work. God starts showing me his life. So I said, show me some stuff that happened when he was a kid. Show me the age that happened. You know, that's an awesome thing. Not because, oh, you obviously know this, but that God loves that man so much and that you could tell him. And I said, you know what? I see Jesus standing with you when there was abuse at such, such an age. And the moment I said that, that, I mean, this guy did not know the Lord, didn't go to church. Eyes wide open. The tears just started falling. He's looking at me and God reaches in and starts healing and putting his hand in that. And it's tears on t We got it on the camera. His tears just start to come down. And he's looking because God begins to heal him before he's even saved of the hurt and, and the abuse when he was a child that he didn't think anybody else. And you know what? He never told anybody. Nobody in the world knew that he was abused. And I think he was four or five years old and God healed him. And I said, would you like this Jesus who knows everything about you, but still loves you? And he goes, yes, I do. And right there, we, he, uh, it's, you can, we have it on one of our videos. This guy accepts Jesus Christ boldly with eyes wide open. I want Jesus Christ in my life. It is so wonderful that you can see on the camera an individual go from death to life. You can literally see the life of God come upon him on his face and his countenance changes and the tears turn into tears of joy and life, spiritual life. Wow, there's nothing better. There isn't really. If I wasn't doing this tomorrow, but I have to catch a flight tomorrow, the next day I'd be back in the schools. 
I would have done this until Jesus, worked with kids until Jesus came back. You know why? I was around people that didn't go to church that loved the glory. Yeah. And God said, this is the next army. Get used to it. Yeah. I'm going to come over here because I like the anointing. I like it over there too. You know, God's doing something here. He's raising up an army. I'm sure you know this in the church, but there's your army. Not next week, today. Yeah. I'm I'm tired of the prophetic words being spoken over young people when they're 13, 14, 15, 16. And then I see them when they're 25 and they go, what happened? And they're barely hanging on. Not, Not here, but I've seen it all. I see it all over the world. I had to make a decision with my son. Just let him be like everybody else or take him on the road and let him see what I can do. That's what God said. And he said, yeah, dad, let's go. So we've been doing it for over three years. It's amazing how God uses him. He's got a razor edge prophetic that is probably a higher caliber than anybody I know. And I know most of the guys that you read about. But we hide him, so don't line up to get a word. We hide him. So did you. So I'm proud of you as leadership. You know that. But he hides too. We've learned how to hide in God. But tonight is your time, guys. Tonight is your moment. This, something's going to happen tonight. Something's happening right now, if you want it to. The question is, how thirsty are you? Because here's what happened to me. I prayed for years and years and years and believed for years and years and years, and I didn't see the lightning of God, and I'm waiting because God told me. And then one day I got a call from Patricia King. It was in 19, I believe, 98. I get a call from her. She says, Charlie, something is going to happen tonight. I just know it. Come over to my home. And I've got two people here. And I'm like, two? <laughs> that sounds like a big meeting. She goes, I-, I just felt the Lord say, call Charlie up and pray because something awesome is going to happen. The only thing was, I was hanging out with this young guy that had no license and no job, but was hungry for God. And used- I used to bring him to revival meetings. He-, he would say, can you bring me to the revival meeting? I said, sure. So we drive an hour, go to a revival meeting, get zapped. The guy just loved God. He was always soaking in the presence of God. And so he was at my home and I was ready to go to the meeting. And I go, ah, Patricia, I got this guy here. She goes, bring him along. I said, okay. So we go there and we're in the house and there's now there's a grand total of six or seven people all of a sudden this young guy not me the young guy that i brought 22 years old no job no license he's sitting there and he goes ah i got struck by the lightning of god and i'm like the lightning of god where the lightning of god and then he goes i got struck again and i'm going i looked at this guy and go not that guy this guy's the answer to my prayer. This guy. This guy. This guy. Great big belly. Guy. Short guy. Yellow hair guy. No job guy. No license guy. <laughs> it ain't hitting me. And I don't even see it. And then Patricia goes, I see the lightning hitting you. And I'm going, God, where's I don't even see it. He said, I didn't tell you you'd see it. He said, when I strikes, you'll be there. That young guy was Todd Bentley. Todd Bentley. Unemployed. Worked for a mill. No license, but loved God. And spent months and months and months and months in the presence of God, seeking God. And when he wasn't seeking God, he'd go to the skate park and he would witness for hours. Day after day after week after month, he'd witness to the skateboarders and the rejects of the city that we we consider. And he'd lead them to Christ. And God said, that guy. I saw God take, he was released to the full-time ministry a couple of days later. And signs, wonders, and miracles begin to happen under the hands of a 22-year-old. 
And God began to use him and give him a worldwide ministry that grew to become the biggest ministry in Canada. Like the biggest Canadian ministry. That's what he is. By the grace of God. By the lightning of God. I learned how things work. They didn't work the way I thought. God's not interested in what you look like. God's not interested in you looking like Samson. God's not interested in that. He's looking at your heart. The, The Bible says man looks at the outward. God looks at the heart. You're a candidate tonight. So am I. For the glory of God. But the question is, how thirsty are you? Not how many times you go to church, how thirsty are you? If you're thirsty and if you're hungry. You only have to prove two things to God. Are you thirsty or are you hungry? That's it. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. Hallelujah. That's what I want. So tonight, what is God doing? It's only a quarter to nine. You know, in Indonesia, we had a 14-hour meeting. The glory of God hit after three hours and that was it. You know, the first meeting I ever preached in Indonesia... I preached on the glory of God. They've been praying for seven years for the glory of God. You know how I got to speak in Indonesia? This is so amazing. You know, this is the way God does stuff, you know. Just like the way we met. He told his side of the story. I'll tell you my side of the story. How I met Pastor Mike. I was on the phone to Ian. I had bought the tickets for Samuel to come here. But the one question in my mind is, I know Ian, but what's the church like? My son's going to be here three months. I'd, I'd sort of like to know. What's the pastor like? I don't know. I live there. They're here. Here's my son leaving home for the first time. Man, I'd like to know what the pastor's like. I go to bed that night. There's a knock on the door at 8 in the morning. Knock, knock, knock. I'm in, I'm in Dance Way, Taiwan. I never even knew the place existed two days before. I'm living up on the hill in a house. I don't even know the people. They own two houses side by side. I don't even have a clue who these people are. I didn't even know the pastor. You know how I got invited there? I ministered in Singapore. And when I was ministering, the pastor got whacked. God just, poof, the power hit him. And he went back to his church. And a visible pillar of fire came in his church for 14 days. 14 days, day and night. He had a revival. It was in the papers all over the place. And you know what happened? People would come in. He said he came in. And this cloud was in there. And the pillar of fire came down. God would supernaturally bring people, fill up his building. The fire would come down three or four hours. People would scream. They'd confess their sin. And they would weep. And after about three or four hours, the fire would lift. And then the people would leave. Some of them who thought they were saved for 10 years got saved during that. Some of them just got delivered of demons. Some of them got healed of childhood abuse. It was amazing. What, did you know that happened in that church? Oh, that's the pastor that the church we're going to next month. Uh, you weren't there. Shabarumbaramba, pastor in Tansway. The people that uh, own the house, they go to his church, I think. Anyway, they know him. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had us staying in their house. (laughs) We'll connect you with that man. I want to say Pastor Mike, but that's you. (laughs) So, in the morning, at 8 o'clock the next morning, there's a knock on the door. It's my friend, Jedediah Tam. And I hear him, and here's what he says. This is the next day after I talk to Ian, wondering what the pastor's like and wondering what the church is like. And And here's Jedediah goes... Ian's pastor is downstairs. I thought it was dreaming. There's no way that could happen. I'm in Dance Way, Taiwan. Didn't even know where it was two days ago. Stayed in the house of the people I don't even know. Ian, and then he knocks again. He says, Ian Clayton's pastor is downstairs. And I'm like, oh, come on. So I, and there you were. I'm going, oh, Lord. 
That was so good. I went, oh, as soon as I saw you guys, I said, I'm so glad my son's going to your church. Yeah, that's the first thing I went, oh. And you know how God answered my prayer and his prayer. But you see, can God do this kind of a stuff? Absolutely. But the first time I ever ministered in Indonesia, I ministered on the glory. And here's what happened. He was there. And Taiwan the first time. Because they've been praying. But how, oh yeah, how I got there was so good. I was ministering in a place called Vacaville, California. At a Fresh Fire conference with Jill Austin. You ever heard of Jill Austin? I like Jill Austin. Yeah. Todd Bentley, he kept, the night before Jill ministered, he kept going, Charlie, you've got the anointing of Bob Jones the prophet. It's on you. And I, I looked at him and he goes, you're not receiving it. I said, how can I receive that? He's like one of, the, one of the major prophets in the United States. I don't have that kind of anointing. He says, you do. And he says, you need to put that mantle on. There's a mantle on you and you're not putting it on. There's an anointing on you. Bob Jones anointing. Oh, I like that. Hallelujah. We'll have a water fight. Oh, maybe not. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, I'll pray about it. He goes, don't pray about it. Put the mantle on. You know, there's prophetic mantles. And so I went to the meeting the next morning and Jill's there. She's ministering at the end. All of a sudden she turns. She goes, Charlie, you got the Bob Jones anointing all over you. Why aren't you putting it on? It's right on the tape. She says, get up here. Put that mantle on. I'm like, oh, God. She's a disturber in the spirit. Did you know that? I like that. Oh, yeah. God's disturbing the spirits. I tell you what, there's something that's going on in the atmosphere. Did you know that right now? I know it. God's going to mess some stuff up. And, oh, and, the, and the king of glory is coming in. You ready for that? I know you guys are. Yeah, that's good. So I'm ready. Because I want to be there when it happens. So I'm in Vacaville. I didn't know that there was a man called Jedediah Tam from Southeast Asia. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. Most of you won't. Jedediah Tam, every tape that he produces, he is one of the leading prophets in the underground church in China. Every tape he produces, within six months, over 10 million copies of that tape are all over China. Every one. You'd never know it. He's the most humblest guy. You'd never pick him out of a crowd, but he came to that meeting. Do you know why he came to the meeting? Several years before, God said, I'm going to use a ministry to help bring the glory of God into Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Taiwan. He says, you're going to invite somebody from that ministry that I show you. And he says, so he, was, he went on the internet and he saw fresh fire. God said, go to the next conference. The next conference is in Vacaville. And here's what God said to Jedediah. When you hear the man at the front speaking about the other guy getting hit by the lightning of God, invite that guy to your meeting. That's what he told him. I wasn't supposed to speak. I was doing the announcements. I pray for the anointing on the announcements. People get healed during the announcements at our conferences. <laughs> they do. One guy's deaf ear popped right open because we pray for the anointing during the announcements. Why not? Hallelujah. You can get healed right now. Listen, if you're waiting for prayer, we are going to pray for the sick. But you might as well get healed now. And God will get all the glory. Hallelujah. And so, Shuba, Boomba. And so, uh, one of the speakers didn't show up. So they asked me to speak. So what am I sharing on? That stuff with Todd. And then this wonderful man comes. He goes, hello, my name is Jedediah Tam. He said, would you consider coming to Indonesia and Malaysia? I said, um, I'll pray about it. So he goes, okay. He goes away. He comes back 10 minutes later. He goes, what did God say? <laughs> you can't get away with that flaky stuff, I'll tell you. I mean, you get lots of people. He called my bluff. I had to hear from God. I went, well, yeah, I'll come. He gives me an envelope with $2,000. There's your honorarium. I said, I like this guy even more. Hallelujah. <laughs> no. But he never even heard me preach. Usually they wait till after you preach, you know, pare the thing down if they don't. But anyway, and so 
We go to Indonesia. I didn't know they'd been praying for years for the glory, but they didn't know how to tap into it. They knew how to pray. They knew how to be martyrs. They knew how to seek God, all these things, but they didn't know anything about the glory. Most people in North America don't. They don't know that the kingdom of God's within them and they can just stand there and release the glory of God and release the kingdom of God wherever they go. You can do it. Every one of you that's saved can do it because the kingdom of God is within you. The thing is not getting more of God in you. It's how to release it out of you. Jesus said, out of your belly, rivers. But you've got to have a pure stream in there. No alligators coming out of your river, man. You need to get that stuff out. No, 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 no. You've got to have a pure river in you. No. You know, and one telltale sign is this. Ah, your tongue. See, that, that, you know, I listen to the way people talk. Yeah, I let them talk. Find out what's in their belly. Because out of your belly, you know, from your heart, the most speaks. So anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, California. No, Indonesia. So I'm in Indonesia. <laughs> I'm going around the world here. I'm in Indonesia. I'm preaching on the glory. In 20 minutes, the glory hits. Bam! And all of us, you know what they do when the glory hit? They ran. You know where they ran? To me. You know what they did? They jumped on me. They grabbed my hair, my head, my eyes, my ears, my pants, my shoes. They wept. They wanted an impartation of the glory and they wanted it now. They were pulling my hair. They were, ah! They went haywire. Because the glory came, bam! Wow! And it's on video. Here I am. There I'm not. And I couldn't get them off. They were desperate. They wanted the glory. And they were hurting me. And go, what kind of an anointing is that? I'll tell you what, they didn't care. Those people fall down. I mean, they do the cocoa bonk. Their heads bonk and they, they go off corners. They don't even know what happened. I mean, they, God, they're so hungry, they don't care. And so here's what I did. I got this, the, half the churches on me and I went like this. I, I went, God help me. And the whole, everyone from here to there, hundreds went and fell over. Every one of them. And I went, that worked good. So I did that here and they all fell down. Every, and I had to teach them how to stay in their seats and receive the anointing. I did. In North America, we got to teach them how to get out. But there, I'll tell you the same thing happened in Taiwan. Taiwan was crazy. Taiwan, you know, and they're not very tall in Taiwan. And I'm pretty tall. And, and I'm ministering, and all of a sudden, I noticed some people left their seats and they're sitting at the front. And I'm going, oh, no. Well, no, they're Taiwan. They're nice. They don't do that. And there's some more people. And then they're sitting here, and I'm going, what? I'm not feeling very comfortable. All of a sudden, the glory starts getting stronger. And they're looking at me like I'm a big pork chop. And they're like, no. Nah. And I'm like, I, and I'm like, and then I started to say, you can receive what God is dishing out right now from where you're sitting, but it didn't work. And all of a sudden here they come. And once one came, that was it. Now they, they didn't knock me over, but they came and I was in the press and they were grabbing my hair. They liked that. They figured that's where the anointing is or something. They're grabbing my hair, my ears, literally. But you know what? I, they're so hungry. When they get hungry, they can't help themselves. When they get thirsty, they go for it. You see, so, so will you and me when we get thirsty and hungry. Listen, if you're thirsty in the natural and you haven't drunk for days, when you see water, listen, you'll elbow out your grandmother to get a drink. That's the way it works. And I'm sure that some of those guys elbow their own grandmother on the way to get me. <laughs> so the question is, how hungry and thirsty? Do you want to touch? I mean, God wants to touch you tonight. God wants to shabaramadandarabaranda, bam! In your life tonight. Hallelujah. And Lord, I pray that you won't make anybody as radical as me. You'll make them worse than me. Lord, more radical. I'm sure you've seen guys more radical than me. But I will tell you this. I want to be Jesus' best friend. I don't want to be radical. I want to be a radical best friend of Jesus. 
show that, that uh, when he's around, you know, he, he says, I know you, Charlie, and I know you by name. It's what he, he told Moses. You know he knows your name. What's your name? Leah. Do you know that God knows that's your name? And he thinks you're a princess. Did you know that? You have like a tiara on your head in the spirit. Come on up here. See, God messes around with Leah. Leah, Leah, Leah. Princess Leah. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. That's what Jesus thinks about you. Leah, you know you're very anointed. I'm going to put my hand here. Just receive that. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, that's good. You're going to have angelic visitations from heaven. That's right. Hallelujah. You know, God's imparting upon you. There's like, there's like the, 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 the bride kind of a stuff coming over you in the spirit. You know why? Because Jesus loves you. And you know what? I just see him dancing with you. You know, God is going to dance with you, Jesus, in the spirit. And there's something, God, just give her that anointing of the arts and just to sing and just to worship and just to dance. And Lord, I thank you for the creativity that you've given her. And so, Father, let your fire come upon her tonight in the name of Jesus. Make her a princess of fire. Bam! In the name of Jesus. That's good. Princess Leah. That's good. That's good. You can be seated. What's your name? Yeah, you. Jess? Who? Jess. Is that Jess or? Okay, Jess, come on here, Jess. How are you doing? How old are you? 13. Do you think, you know, the mist of God is in here. Did you know that? Do you think that she's a candidate for the glory of God? Absolutely. 13 years old. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray. Just, just extend your hands, hands uh, shabaruba, toward Jess. Lord, there is no drinking age in the Spirit. And I pray that you would just fill her right now with your glory. Fill her with your presence. I see the glory of God coming over you like gold. Lord, let the gold of the presence of God come. Bam! In the name of Jesus. Bam! In the name of Jesus. Lord, let your anointing rest upon her. There's a lot of angelic activity around you too, you see. God ministers to you. In the name of Jesus, just receive that. In the, Lord, I pray for visitation in the Spirit. Visitation in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Man, that's good. More glory, Lord. More anointing. Bam! Lord, fill her up. Wow, that's good. There's an anointing over there. I'm just going to have all the young people in a few minutes get up and we're going to release the glory over them. I don't usually do this. But you see, there's a pocket of them over there. And God says, get them. Yeah, why? Because you're called. You see, do you know what you're called to do? Bring revival everywhere you go. Bring the glory. Everybody is, but you're called to do it. Everywhere you go. You're called to missions. Many sitting here, you're called to the nations. You know, you don't have to look for another word. You're called to the nations, just about the whole bunch of you. God's going to release you to the nations. He's going to take you. It's your call. You know what? And just ask God to open the doors. Ask God to overflow in your life. Ask God, just be radical. Just get up there amongst your friends and, and be Jesus to them. And believe God for words of knowledge. I'm telling you, I've seen God shut people down pretty quick with the word of knowledge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God knows how to do that. And, in, and get them saved at the same time. That's even best. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to go over here. You know, God's moving on you right now. You know, because he wants to break something over the city and he's going to use you. Are you candidates? I didn't hear any yeses. Are you candidates? Yeah, come on. I thought Canadians were quiet. You know, just let it rip, man. Don't hold back. God's going to move a stone out of the way. You know what? Do you know why? 
because there's something that's been blocking something in the spirit, not a, over, the, over the region. He's going to move it. He's going to roll the stone away. And I'll tell you something about God. I got visited one time at a meeting. How many have ever seen angels? Put your hand up. You've seen angels. Good. Praise God. I, I see angels every now and then. It should be, a, you know, part of life. You see angels every once in a while. Hallelujah. You know, and I know people that all they do is see, is see demons. You know, it's demons all the time. They never see an angel. And I begin to wonder about them. You know, because I see angels and demons every once in a while. But anyway, Shubhadabaranda. But this one time we were listening to Cheon. If you know him, he's ministering at a conference. Do you know Cheon? You ever heard of Cheon? Oh, awesome guy. So I'm sitting there in one of the big chairs there and <laughs> blasted. He's ministering. All of a sudden behind him comes a white angel, big, tall angel, white. He's got this little box. He comes by and he puts it right in my belly. Now you see, that might be too. Some of you are going, come on. Like, yeah, in my belly, in my belly. Yeah, you know what? The kingdom of God's in there. God put a lot of stuff in my belly. And all of a sudden, another angel, another angel, a whole line of angels. And they're putting these boxes in my belly. And I'm absolutely drunk in the spirit. And it's just so enjoyable. I don't even know what Cheon's talking about. I'm like, oh, yeah, give me another box. Yeah, hit me again. Oh, yeah. But then it all stopped. You know why it stopped? I looked at what was on the box. Because I noticed there was words on there. So I looked at it. You know what it said on the boxes? Burial spices. And I thought, oh, no, I'm going to die. That's what I thought. It wrecked it. I'm going, God, I'm going to die. And so I went to my intercessor and I said, listen. I said, why would God put burial spices in me? Am I going to die? She goes, no, you don't put burial spices into somebody that's going to die. You put burial spices into somebody that's already dead. I said, thanks a lot. But listen, God spoke to me. He said, Charlie, so many of my ministers are so proud of how dead they are. Oh, yeah, they paid the price. But he told me this. Resurrection does not happen on the cross. Resurrection happens in the grave. When you're dead and buried. It's one thing to be dead in Christ. Are you willing to be buried? The Bible talks about humility. Listen, you need, we need to know about humility. It's not about being up here. It's about walking humbly before your God. It's about a lowliness of mind. It's about humbling yourself. And not making yourself any reputation. Hallelujah. Woo! And so I learned something. Go lower. Heidi Baker, if you've, she's a good friend of ours. She always says, Charlie, lower. And after you go low and as low as you can go, you know where you go? I said, where? She goes, lower still. Lower, not, not higher. God will bring you up. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time, God will lift you up. So tonight, what is God doing? He's going to roll a stone away. He wants to bring the resurrection power of his glory. Do you know what his glory is? His glory is resurrection power. Jesus said, remember, Jesus said to Lazarus' sister, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Hallelujah. Tonight, Father, tonight, I pray that we would see the glory of the Lord in this place. God, that your glory would visit us, that we would be transformed tonight from glory to glory. Hallelujah. I want to pray for every person that has a sickness, that has disease in their body, that has blindness in an eye, that has deafness in an ear. I want you to stand up where you are. And we're going to release a healing wave of the glory of God over your body. We see God heals, we've seen God heal many, many times by the healing wave. Some of you may feel a heat, a fire. Some of you may feel nothing. But whatever you have, after we pray, I want you to test it out. And if you couldn't see, start looking out of that other eye. If you had pain, there's more people than this. You know what? There's people with knee problems. If somebody has a pain in their right knee, 
There could be a bunch. But you know what? There's somebody who needs to stand up. You get pain in your right knee. Why not tonight? Why not let God heal you tonight? There's people with severe eye problems. Okay. So I'm going to pray. Whoever's standing up, we're going to believe that God's going to touch you. Let's lift up your hand. Here we go. Are you ready? Father, in the name of Jesus tonight, we come before you. God, we thank you that your glory is in here. And Lord, you love to heal your people. And Father, I speak to these bodies in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I take authority over every sickness, every disease in these bodies in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke blindness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke deafness, migraine, headaches in the name of Jesus, back pain, knee pain, pain in the elbows. Go in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak to hearts to be Heal tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come against blood conditions and I speak healing over your blood now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for healing uh, ankles, people with foot problems. Lord, people with fungus on their feet. God, I rebuke that stuff in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray and come against every sickness in the name of Jesus right now in Jesus' name. Shoulder pain, back pain, God, liver dysfunction. We rebuke that dysfunction. I take authority over the spirit of death. I command you, go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I release your healing power right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. In this room right now, on every body, let the fire of your healing power come. Thank you for driving out every disease, for driving out every pain, for driving out every discomfort. In the name of the Lord Jesus, God is touching somebody's heart right now in the name of Jesus. God is touching somebody's lungs. Lord, I release the wind of God into those lungs in the name of Jesus. I rebuke asthma. Asthma, go right now from these bodies in the name of Jesus. There's a, God is healing a woman of asthma right here. I want you to come up to the front. You can feel the wind of God coming into your lungs. Come up right now. Father, we just release your glory and your wind upon people's lungs right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, asthma goes in Jesus' name. If that's you and you can feel the breath of God in your lungs, come up. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. God spoke to me yesterday and today. There's elbows. People have pain in their elbows. Chips in your elbows. Pain. I mean chronic pain in your elbows. Come up.